Hello and welcome to FX Talk, an eBreed podcast all about the foreign exchange market, where we break down some of the main news headlines in financial markets and give our take on what these developments might mean for the world of FX. My name is Matthew Ryan, Senior Market Analyst here at eBree, and I'm joined as always on the podcast by two of my colleagues, our Chief Risk Officer, Enrique Diaz-Alvarez, and Market Analyst, Roman Zuruk. We're going to start this week's podcast with the main talking point in the FX market in the past week, and that's been the sharp rally witnessed in the euro following last Thursday's hawkish message from the European Central Bank. As the euro has been one of the best performing G10 currencies in the past seven days, alongside the Swedish krona, the common currency rallied by more than 1% versus the US dollar last Thursday to back above the 114 level, after ECB President Christine Lagarde struck a hawkish tone during the bank's press conference. Policy was kept unchanged, no surprises there, but Lagarde did voice heightened concern over rising European inflation. Lagarde said that the inflation outlook was tilted to the upside, saying that the overshoot in price growth was causing unanimous concern among council members, and that inflation could be significantly higher this year. She also failed to push back against market pricing for interest rate hikes in 2022 when directly asked, which is a big change in stance from previous meetings. Investors reacted aggressively by both sending the euro sharply higher across the board and pricing in the equivalent of as many as five 10 basis point interest rate hikes from the ECB before the end of the year, which is up significantly in the past two or three weeks or so. According to ECB sources, a recalibration of the APP bond buying program may now be on the way at the bank's next meeting in March, which is shaping up to be a highly important one. Um, so, so what do you both make of the ECB's announcement last week? And what do you think may be on the way at the bank's March meeting? Well, I think it's, it's one of those really momentous central bank meetings of which we get uh, only a handful in each decade. I think that uh, it's, not, it's, 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 it's as important perhaps as the one early in the pandemic where the ECB turned squarely towards supporting sovereign, uh, sovereign debt in the periphery. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it, it's really the, the, the Euro rally is, is totally justified. I think there still has some, uh, quite a bit to go. I think that markets in general tend to underprice regime shifts in monetary policy, fiscal policy in, 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 and, what we saw last week is, is I think, qualifies as a regime shift from uh, a central bank that was not afraid to be the so, one odd man out among major central banks worldwide in not being worried about inflation. That's what Magad was trying to transmit in back uh, before Christmas to a central bank that says that uh, that the unanimous concern of the council is now inflation. Uh, we've seen uh, rates just drip higher in, in the days after instead of having an immediate reaction to the news. Uh, markets are still uh, taking it in. Uh, there's still going to be, I think, uh, a significant trend higher in rates. Rates are very low. Um, even after current expectations, I think that the terminal, the uh, especially the uh, market expectation for where the, where. European Central Bank rates are going to end up in a couple of years are way too low. And as those uh, market expectations get priced correctly, uh, that you're going to have a win at the uh, at the back of the of the euro. 
uh, especially versus the dollar. Yeah, I certainly think that the meeting was very interesting and uh probably nobody expected it to be as hawkish as it was, particularly that uh, sometimes in the past when there was a communication from the ECB uh, that maybe was uh, slightly uh, either too hawkish or too dovish, the ECB made a statement afterwards or there were some signals from the ECB. And uh, here we had a hawkish press conference and then we had a very hawkish noises after the press conference. So it only boosted this uh, statement or the suggestion and that we are going to see a major shift in the ECB's policy. And I think we, we should see it in the March meeting. I expect that we are going to see this recalibration in the asset purchase program. And by this recalibration, uh, I mean a, a tapering and uh, finishing it earlier than expected. Currently, the program doesn't have an end date. We only know that uh, it should return, the traditional asset purchase program should return to the size of 20 billion euro purchased per month since October, uh, after it is temporarily increased after the PEP program ends in March. Uh, so I think that the PEP should uh, will end as planned in March, and then we might see a, a significant acceleration of uh, the ending of the uh, traditional asset purchase program, and it would open the way for the interest rate hikes. And I think those interest rate hikes, at least one of them, perhaps more, should come in 2022. Uh, I think that uh, we are slightly at odds uh, with Enrique uh, with regards to how uh, hawkish will this turnaround be. I think that the ECB is still uh, one of the uh, central banks that would move in a rather slow increments and that is uh, quite reluctant uh, to make a, a significant sudden changes, even in the face of persistently high inflation. So uh, I think that probably a most likely scenario is the fa first hike in, in September uh, currently. Uh, I also am interested in the changes to the inflation projections, uh, particularly to 2023 in 2022, uh, the uh, inflation situation that we are seeing at the beginning of the year is uh, not really what the ECB would want to see, uh, particularly as we are seeing a continuous increase in the commodity prices, in energy prices, oil prices, CO2 emissions contract prices. So all of this uh, is not a positive information for the central bank. And if we couple that with a, a stronger labor market, then uh, not doing anything would probably create more risk uh, for the uh, inflation situation than uh, accelerating the taper uh, and uh, raising interest rates in 2022. So I think that uh, this should be a main scenario for the markets. And I think that this should support the euro going forward. Although the euro dollar will strongly depend also on what's going on on the other side of the Atlantic. I mean, that's, that's very interesting. I think that, uh, yeah, we have a bit of a tension in here and that I think that we all agreed on the general direction of the euro and European central bank policy. But, uh, uh, perhaps I'm at the, I'm at the outer edge of, uh, where I think how fast rates are going to go up in the eurozone. Uh, I think that. Um, the inflation report for January in the Eurozone was, was extraordinary. I think that in a way it was the biggest surprise relative to expectations in the history of, uh, inflation reports in the Eurozone. I think that they really spooked the European Central Bank. Um, and 
on top of that, I mean, it's just we we need to. It's not just a matter of of relative hawkishness or dovishness. Is we need to remember how extraordinarily stimulative the settings of uh, monetary policy are in the eurozone. I mean, in January, even as inflation was raging, the European Central Bank is still printed effectively 70 billion euros worth of money to buy sovereign debt with. Rates are negative, minus 0.5% in a context where inflation is in most of the uh, advanced of the large eurozone economies is above 5%. I mean, this is there's there's a huge gap between what monetary policy is right now and what it needs to be to to get to a neutral setting, let alone a restrictive setting. And I think that there's there's no time to lose. And as uh, markets priced in, you get, you're going to get a sort of like positive feedback loops where as markets priced in higher rates sooner than expected, the European Central Bank itself gets more comfortable with this with these. Um, with with these market expectations and transmit that comfort transmits that comfort back to the markets, and I honestly at this point I don't know if they can wait till September to be seen moving interest rates higher. Yeah, I think that uh, they might not wait for September if the risks materialize. But the one of the main risks that we are seeing right now is this continuous increase in the energy prices. And a, uh, a large part of that is related to the risk of tensions uh, in the Eastern Europe between Russia and Ukraine. Uh, and so if this risk escalates, if, if there is in fact, uh, the uh, if Russia attacks Ukraine, frankly, then uh, we should see a continuous increase in the energy prices. It would probably also affect grain prices. And this could push the ECB. Uh, this could also uh, push some other central banks to be more hawkish, uh, central banks of the region. And that being said, without it, uh, we might see some stabilization or the correction in the energy prices, and this might give them some comfort. But we should have more information uh, in, in March, in early March, uh, about uh, what is the likelihood that this risk will, in fact, materialize. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would wait until March for the assessment of whether they would want to wait uh, or uh, do an earlier hike than September. And on this hawkish uh, policy shift itself, uh, we, we don't like to brag too much, but this is something we very much called for um, a few weeks ago. Um, firstly, that the market and the ECB was underestimating the inflation overshoot, and secondly, that the ECB was underestimating the pace at which it would need to raise interest rates this year in order to combat high inflation. And both really have proved to be the case. Um, headline inflation, as we've been talking about, is at a record high above 5%, perhaps more room to run there. Uh, on rates, the market's made a, a bit of a sharp U-turn. It's now it's gone from pricing in sort of little to no chance of even one or two hikes this year to now fully pricing in 5 10, 10 basis point hikes before the end of the year. Um, as we say, maybe a little bit of an overreaction, um, but I would still err uh, on the size of central banks exceeding expectations this year, um, which sets up the, the March ECB meeting quite nicely, as we've been talking about. Um, as you said, Roman, I think we're, we're, we're almost certain to get a hawkish recalibration of uh, the asset purchase program. question now really is, June or September, July meeting won't have any macroeconomic projections, so unlikely to see any big policy changes there. Um, for me, I'm I'm sort of 50-50 at the moment between June or September. 
But I think there's very much every possibility that the ECB wraps up QE sooner uh, and, and gets going as soon as possible. So I think June is very much um, a, a live meeting at this stage um, for, the, for the ECB. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think June is, is live. And I think that the trend that we've been uh, since mid-2021 were uh, when it comes to inflation numbers or central bank policy, you are the safe bet is to take the over as as they as they say in betting. I think that trend is going to be with us for a while. I don't see it turning anytime soon. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And, and for for most central banks in the G10 um, at the moment. Um, now, last week was a very eventful one uh, of central bank announcements with the Bank of England also holding its February monetary policy meeting on Thursday. Uh, as expected, interest rates were raised by a quarter of a percent to 0.5%, the first back-to-back rate increase in the UK since 2004, after rates were, of course, raised by 10 basis points back in December. While that was fully priced into the market prior to the meeting, investors were caught wrong-footed for the third straight meeting as four of the nine committee members voted for a larger 50 basis point move in the base rate of members Saunders, Haskell, Mann and Ramsden. The bank's accompanying communications were also on the hawkish side, particularly on inflation, and the pound immediately rallied to its strongest position in around two weeks against the dollar. Uh, the MPC now expects inflation to peak in excess of 7% in April and remain above 5% in a year's time. Governor Bailey calmed the market excitement somewhat during his press conference, a conference urging investors not to get too carried away with the prospect of an aggressive pace of hikes. But the market was already quick to price in uh, a, a pretty aggressive hike cycle from the Bank of England this year with more than 125 additional basis points of hikes now anticipated before the end of the year. And that's helped Sterling remain among the better performing major currencies so far in 2022. But what's next for the Bank of England? First of all, what do you guys make of last week's announcement? And is the Bank of England's March meeting also shaping up to be a very important one? I mean, uh, the Bank of England always has had an advantage over other central banks, in particular the European Central Bank, which is that of flexibility, both operationally and ideologically, right? Um, they were some one of the first central banks to in Europe to uh, implement aggressively QE when that was called for a few years back. Uh, and now they're leading uh, the European Central Bank on their way up on the, on the way up in rates and on, on the uh, on the t- general tightening of policy. So I think that the uh, the Bank of England uh, that does provide a bit of a leading indicator on the, the European Central Bank. Um, <clears throat> I think that uh, that 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 four dissidents in favor of the first fifty basis point hike since two thousand four is is incredibly meaningful. Uh, Unless one is forecasting a let up in this, this relentless, uh, stream of, uh, high inflation prints over the next few months, that means that the, the March meeting, uh, those four, uh, those four, uh, dissident votes may well have the upper hand. And so it's not just a matter of whether we see a hike is whether we finally see a 50 basis point hike out of the UK. And as central banks start getting increasingly worried about inflation worldwide, um, I think it's only a matter of time before we start seeing those 50 basis points, those, those basically two hikes in a single meeting moves from the Federal Reserve and the, uh, the Bank of England. So again, at this point, that would place a 50-50 chance for both 
of that the next hike will be a, a 50 basis points in both the Feder- for both the Federal Reserve and, and the Bank of England. Yeah, I think that there is really no reason for the Bank of England not to hike right now. And this, uh, the vote on uh, the last meeting, um, the disagreement kind of uh, suggests that the, the minimum will be the 25 basis point increase. And the situation in the UK is uh, suggesting that the monetary policy tightening is warranted, perhaps even more so than in the Eurozone, considering the situation in the UK labor market, which uh, is quite tight. Uh, and generally, I, I agree that the, uh, the Bank of England's uh, hawkishness and the tightening in monetary policy should support the sterling going forward. And uh, yes, I, I fully agree that it should be one of the better performing currencies uh, in the uh, G10 this year. Yes, I mean, for me, I think this uh, this hawkish vote is a yeah, very clear signal of intent that the Bank of England's not going to tolerate high inflation, it's prepared to act aggressively in order to bring inflation back down to target. I think there were perhaps some um, market participants that were eyeing one or two voters, perhaps going for a 50 basis point hike, but I don't think there was anyone... Um, expecting as many as four members to vote for a 50 basis point move. And in, in, in the end, it was a relatively close call between the two, 25 or 50 basis point move. Um, again, I think the debate at the next meeting in March is going to be not whether they'll hike rates, but again, over the size. Um, at the moment, I, I would perhaps uh, more towards a 25 basis point hike, although a lot can change, and I can certainly see a scenario where we get a 50 basis point move. I think that's entirely possible. Um, and then uh, perhaps as a, a more of a firm indica- uh, indication that we'll get um, a con- continued hikes throughout the year. I think at least one a quarter is the bare minimum from the Bank of England, um, which is clearly concerned with rising energy prices. We saw last week that the government said um, average energy costs in the UK are set to rise. Um, by a little under £700 per household. And that's clearly um, creating this inflationary concern. Um, of course, there's little interest rates, higher rates can do to solve uh, supply chain issues or, or energy costs, but it does at least anchor infla- inflation expectations. So I, I think an aggressive pace of hikes is on the cards. We'll get another uh, either 25 or 50 uh, March. Uh, and that should, we think, uh, as we've been saying, provide good support for sterling, which remains one of our, I think, one of our favoured currencies in the G10. Uh, We're going to finish now by talking about last Friday's US payrolls report and its impact on Federal Reserve policy. And the report was a very strong one, 467,000 net jobs added in the US last month, well above the 150k expected by economists. Uh, Actually, all signs leading up to the release of the data suggested that a surprise to the downside was highly likely amid Omicron uncertainty, particularly following the very weak ADP employment change number. Uh, But the data bucked the trend uh, and beat consensus and actually exceeded even the most optimistic of forecasts. Uh, The household survey also remained very strong. Unemployment did tick up a a touch to 4%, but labour force participation rose again, uh, with the Federal Reserve indicating at its latest meeting that the US economy is now at around about levels that can be deemed as full employment. The dollar's reaction to the blowout number was relatively limited. The greenback managed to reverse some of its losses late last week, although the rebound was minimal and the dollar underperformed its major peers. 
Uh, but what do you guys both think? Does last week's payrolls report count for much? And what do you now expect from the Federal Reserve this year? Uh, I think it does count. I think that uh, relative to the, the expectations that were shaded down by Omicron, uh, the, the report was an absolute blowout. And it just indicates that uh, the U.S. Uh, productive apparatus is, is basically uh, has, has expanded as much as it can. The U.S. is the fact of full employment. Uh, no relief to inflationary pressures can be expected from from bringing additional production capacity online, at least in the near term. And so the uh, the pressure on prices will continue. And the only way to reduce that pressure from now on is going to be um, to, to to use policy levers to constrain demand. Since fiscal policy is off the table, uh, the only game in town is Federal Reserve hikes. And so all the all the pressure is going to be on the Fed to bring down those those uh, those inflation numbers uh, back to something palatable. So um, again, I would continue to take the over between economists' expectations and reality when it comes to both inflation numbers and Federal Reserve outcomes. Um, I think that. Uh, events that are, are overtaking even our aggressive forecast. We had a forecast of uh, three to four hikes in 2022, uh, cup, uh, a few months back, and we were an outlier in hawkishness and expecting hawkishness from the Federal Reserve. Now, uh, four, four hikes this year is seen as the minimum. Um, there's significant upside that we could be easily, uh, a 50 basis point hike in March and then, um, 25 basis points in consecutive meetings. That's probably the high end of what would be feasible, which would leave the rate close to one and a half percent by year end. So somewhere between our forecast of four hikes, meaning one percent terminal rate at the end of the year and one and a half percent, which is the outside, I think, close to market expectations right now. That's what I would expect the Federal Reserve uh, to leave rates uh, in 2022. And the main question is, um, not so much how fast uh, hikes go, uh, rates go up in 2022, but what is the terminal rate? When does the Fed start stop hiking? And I think that's where there's still significant room for market repricing because uh, markets are still pretty sanguine about the terminal Fed rate, where the Fed rate is going to be in two to three years' time. Yeah, the market is pricing right now approximately uh, one in three uh, chances that we are going to see a 50 basis point hike in March from the Federal Reserve. And I think that the all or, or most of the data that is coming from the U.S. is uh, suggesting that this tightening uh, should be significant and that the 25 is a bare minimum for March. Mm, that being said, the non-farm payroll report, I think, has lost a lot of its information value over the past two years or so. And uh, we see that we have a constant and uh, pretty significant revisions to the headline number. And this uh, situation with Omicron uh, certainly uh, added to uh, this decrease in information value. Uh, I, I certainly uh, like the uh, other numbers in the report. And uh, I would definitely focus on the upcoming uh, data, particularly after this uh, Omicron episode is uh, over. So the February and March data 
uh, would be important. And uh, I would focus on uh, maybe other numbers than the headline number, uh, so the participation rate, but also other, uh, and, and the unemployment rate, of course, uh, and wage growth. And uh, also other labor market reports, I think, are important, also in the context of uh, some of this loss of information value, uh, such as the JOLTS report, which gives us a lot of context on the situation in the labor market. The issue with that is that uh, this is released quite late, uh, so it's not very current at the moment of release, but it gives us context about the number of uh, open new open positions, uh, about the quit rate, etc. And this uh, lets us uh, better to assess the situation in the labor market. However, the situation right now is obviously very good, close to maximum employment or maximum employment. And I think that it should support the monetary policy tightening from the Fed with a 25 basis points as a bare minimum for the March uh, and uh, continued uh, hikes throughout the year. Uh, I'm not sure how many hikes we are going to see. Uh, I'm still quite hesitant, uh, as I am with the ECB, to have a very hawkish expectations, as those things can uh, turn quite often. And uh, generally, I looking at the emerging markets, I'm seeing that uh, some of those central banks are starting to look at uh, growth uh, situation and having some worries in that regard. And if this uh, is uh, the situation uh, is uh, will be the same in the DMs, uh, then uh, we might see a some slowdown in tightening. However, for the time being, I think that the uh, 25 basis point hike in March and at least four interest rate hikes, uh, possibly five in uh, 2022, uh, will take place. And that's it from us. If you're keen to hear more about our thoughts on the FX market, visit Ebreed's website or follow us on social media. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on your favorite podcast app. And let us know if there are any topics you'd like to hear more on during upcoming episodes. Keep an eye out for our next episode in a fortnight's time. Thank you all very much for listening.